For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. Oh, Johnny Mac, they're playing our music. Good morning, Birds fans. We check off another countdown day on the calendar. We got Mac and Mac to talk birds on the first day that the Eagles report to camp. Should have a good two hours with you. Uh, thanks to my buddy Kyle Rogers, who every morning on the stream says, Wake up, Johnny Mac. Uh, <laughs> I actually needed the help today. Uh, didn't have as much prep time as usual because. Yours truly didn't wake up exactly when I was supposed to, but uh, you don't really need to know all that much about where the Eagles are at because they're going to tell us something themselves starting basically tomorrow when Johnny Mack and his boys, and we got two of his boys on the show (laughs) with us today, get their first grass time with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, today is reporting day, means the Eagles won't be doing anything, but before you know it, yes, we'll start to get a feel proud team this how prepped and ready this team is for the upcoming season john yeah well i don't know how quickly we're going to learn that but we're going to see the team today is d-day so you know happy christmas merry christmas whatever you want to call it training camp is here all 32 teams jody will be in training camp by the end of today and that's because the Philadelphia Eagles are one of the two last teams to come into training camp. So they're it. We're here. Six plus months of football. Uh, it's finally, finally here. So that part of it is exciting. But yeah, we, we can't even get on pads until the seventh or eighth day or whatever it is. So still got some ramp up time, but it'll be good to see the guys out there tomorrow. All right. Uh, give me the best case in our best memory that you have from last year and you know it can change from year to year um but if they do it exactly the same as they did last year what is the ramp up time what does that consist of what did they do last year 
uh, when would you consider, all right, now they're a full go here in practice? Um, well, let me pull it up for you. It actually changed this year. It got uh, – so it's not like last year. It's even um, longer this year um, as the NFL keeps negotiating. And I'll, I'll look at it while I continue to talk. Uh, so I think it was uh, three, maybe three. But e- either way, it's now five days – so you have day one, uh, which is no field work. That's today. Uh, day two, no pads, walk through 90 minutes. That'll be tomorrow. Day three is 105 minutes, no pads, walk through. Day four, you can go. And remember, when I say this number, you can go up to that number. Right. You know, the Eagles are unlikely to hit two hours. So day four, you can hit that two hours, no pads at a walk through. Uh, day five, Two hours again, no pads, walk through. Day six is a mandatory day off already. <laughs> and then when you come back day seven, you can go 105 minutes if you want to when the pads are allowed. So basically, day seven of camp is when you can break out the, the football pads. And you're thinking that these are the same exact uh, uh boundaries uh that all teams in the national football league have. oh no yeah definitely that's uh that's collectively bargained um between the nflpa and the union uh the union and the league uh that's everybody uh the difference the wiggle room is you know there are certain teams that be given two hours they're going to get take two hours the eagles aren't going to take two hours so the timing of that is is going to be probably lesson for the Eagles. And because you're allowed pads day seven, day eight, day nine, and moving forward mm. doesn't mean you have to wear pads. Right. It just means they're allowed. Um, so those are the rules that I just gave you for the entire league, not just the Eagles. Understood. Uh, one guy who at least for day uh, one uh, won't be putting on pads, won't be doing any exercise, won't be doing anything. Because Eagles have, at this point, decided to pass on signing him. Uh, Jaquan Hardy, who we talked about here yesterday, uh, I think I uh, misspoke and said when the Eagles signed. I should have said if the Eagles signed Jaquan Hardy because the you know, couple of reports were that it, the signing was imminent. Well, apparently came in. Apparently they put him through a workout. And apparently they said, yeah, thank you, no. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll call, don't call us. We'll call you. And the Eagles uh, told him, uh, don't don't sit by the phone either, because not sure we're going to call him. If they were going to sign him, I think they would have signed him. So this tells you the extra slot that they have on their roster right now. They sit at 89. They could sign one more player. It won't be the former Cowboy running back. Yeah, not necessarily. They they have an extra spot. Um, and, and and I think you'll know today uh, by by probably four o'clock for when they, when the wire comes through, when the NFL wire comes through four or five o'clock, somewhere late afternoon, who they signed, maybe it'll break a little bit before then. Uh, They brought in, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players to look at yesterday. Uh, Jake Juan Hardy was one of them. They brought in three tight ends. They brought in another running back besides Jaquan Hardy in, in Trey Regis from Louisiana Lafayette. They looked at a wide receiver, Lance Lenore. I don't know why they would need another body there. 
They looked at a, a center, Cameron Tom. Jeff Stoutland always likes the bene- developmental centers. Uh, so maybe that explains that. But they're going to sign one of those seven guys. It might be Hardy. The confusion with Hardy is his 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 people gave indications to another team that he was going to sign with Philadelphia. So maybe that's the that's the case. And maybe, you know, they just didn't want to announce it early because they had a bunch of other guys coming in and they don't want them to cancel because they want to look at them. And it could be that. It could be it was just mis- misspoken to the other team and they were just bringing them in for a workout. But they're going to sign one of those players and he's he's in the mix. So it's not, it's not like he's not in the mix. They, right. they need a running back. They need a tight end. It's probably going to be one of the two running backs or one of the tight ends. As far as uh, you know, the workout yesterday was what it was. It wasn't like, oh, my God, why do we even have uh, Jaquan Hardy here? It's just they wanted to keep their options open is what you're saying? Yeah, they got seven guys. They got one spot. They brought in seven guys they look at. They're going to bring – they're going to sign one of them to get the 90. For them, it's actually 91 because they still have Matt Leo who gets a – international pathway program exemption um so you know they they looked at all these players and they'll decide uh where they want to go still no punter (laughs) they could have brought in a punter no punter so three tight ends if you know who connor davis from stony brook Jaden graham from yale barrett green from mississippi state Hardy was in, Trey Regas, as I mentioned. Lance Lenore was the wide receiver from Western Illinois. Cameron Tom was the center. He's from Southern Mississippi. So those are the players they worked out. There were a lot of workouts around the league. The Giants, for instance, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They worked out 10 players yesterday in advance of, of, of sort of filling out their 90-man roster. So one of them was Eric Ebron, by by the way. Uh, Andrew Adams, our old friend, who was here for a very short time. Um, so it's common occurrence in the league. It's not like it's it's anything weird or anything of that nature. Right. I have uh, know where Stony Brook is. I've been to a party at Stony Brook, <laughs> but I can't say I know the player in question who they brought I in think there. it was a different generation than when Connor Davis was at parties for at stony brook yeah might be a little bit of a different feel than when i was on campus having a good time um all right so the the eagles pass on them but we assume that they will sign someone Uh, if you're going to give a guy a shot and i don't know how much of a shot the 90th guy on the roster actually has you don't want to drag your feet on this, right? This won't be something that they'll be meeting for days to decide who's going to be their 90th guy you got to make a call here Pretty quickly, either today or tomorrow, right? Yeah, you'll know today. You'll definitely know. I, I shouldn't. You'll definitely know by the time they hit the field at, at tomorrow morning. You'll definitely know by then. The Eagles tend to drag their feet on everything from that perspective. Uh, but you'll definitely know by the time they hit the field tomorrow morning. All right, uh, Johnny Mac. What What do you think actually will transpire within the walls of the Novacare Complex today? Um, it, again, uh, I, I, I always like, like have to stop myself when I think that I'm going to whine about the, uh, 
yesteryear aspect of training camp and uh, guys checking into dorms and pulling up yeah. and the video of them taking their things in. They're, they're, not, they're not doing that anymore. There yeah. are no dorms at the Novacare complex. There's just uh, the facility itself and their workout stuff and the fields. And uh, there is no check-in time for guys to get a nap or anything like that. Uh, so what actually is transpiring today? Do they have to, is there someone sitting out front with a uh, sign-in book? The guys have to uh, put their John Hancock down on the pick. What does transpire today since they're not actually going to have any workouts? Well, yeah, they do have security out front. They do have a clipboard, too. But now the players, uh, they have little key cards. Um, but um, basically, they, they're reporting today. So, you know, the players are staggered uh, as they report. They're given specific times. They got to report. They got to go through their physical. Um, and that's when you'll see guys officially put on the pup list. Yeah, we expect Brett Toth uh, to be to start on the pup list. Tyree Jackson. Isaac Samala is a player to, to watch when it comes to the pup list. Uh, if he's ready, if he's a full go, because uh, that was questionable uh, um, in OTAs. Um so you go through the physical, the, the, they have a team meeting at six o'clock. So everybody will be there um, by six o'clock at night. Um, and then you're off and running. Um, and, you know, Nick will give his raw, raw speech and here we go. What time is, uh, do you think the players have to be back at the facility? Like you said, they check in, they have to do a physical, uh, but then they'll be allowed to leave, which, again, isn't the same as it was for decades in the National Football League, but it is what it is these days. Uh, what time do you think these players will be told if they were Oh, uh, they'll be there. Today? Uh, that, that's also collectively bargained. I believe 6.30 is the earliest uh, you're supposed to report. Now, a lot of quarterbacks uh, – tend to beat that and try to uh, portray anything. But you're not supposed to show up. I believe it's 6.30. Uh, they have a strict limit. Hours you can be at the facility per day. Uh, they're on the field at 10 o'clock. So uh, most guys will be in there by 7 at the latest. You have meetings before practice. Um, yeah, yeah. Not only the practice at 10 o'clock, that, that'll be open to the media, but you have a second walkthrough practice, uh, which are allowed, which will not be open to the media. Um, so there's a lot of, 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 of different things. And, and, and the day of an NFL player in training camp is pretty structured um, down to the minute. Um, and the 11 or 12 hours you're allowed to be there during the – during the day is pretty much all accounted for. Uh, the only downtime is, you know, lunch and if you call lifting and things like that downtime, where you kind of be by yourself at least. All right. One last question before we get ready for our first guest, who is Brandon Lee Gouton of Bleeding Green Nation. We got two very good Eagle Beat guys today, BLG and uh, Chris Franklin will join us in hour number two. Uh, how did that uh, Deshaun Watson suspension thing come to? Oh, it hasn't been announced yet. Uh, yes, Mr. Watson is already in the uh, camp of the Cleveland Browns. They opened up before the Eagles did. 
and this was all supposed to be settled before the Sean Watts had to show up. I had uh, Frank Schwab from Yahoo last night, who took a stronger stance than most guys I've had on, and said he would not be surprised if this is the NFL sticking it to the Cleveland Browns, that they're not happy that Roger Goodell was given his marching orders. $230 million guaranteed? Uh, no, they can't be doing this to us because, you know, the trickle-down effect of contracts, it happens across the National Football League. There's a reason why uh, – the quarterback of the Cardinals, who, oh, by the way, did you see his contract? Uh, Kyler Murray got 230.5 million. 0.5. By the way, did you see? We got to talk about his contract, by the way. Yeah, got, we my, will. My, woof, woof. We, will, we will get into homework clauses. Uh, but Murray got 0.5 more. You got a spare 0.5 for me, John McMullen? I'll take it. 500. Uh, Joe Krause, I'll take that spare 0.5. It's the, 0.5 these it. days. Uh, so if you don't think that one contract affects another from team to team to team, you're oh, getting it. Oh, it does. Oh, yeah. it surely does. So he actually thought that the NFL is purposely slowing this process down but they because they want to make it uh, more difficult for the Cleveland Browns. I don't know if that's the case. Um, I think if it is, it's wrong. I don't like what Cleveland did. I understand why you'd be upset, but you can't use a disciplinary hearing to give out punishment before you ever give out punishment, can you? Um, well, you could from the end. You know, it's an interesting uh, thought um, that Frank gave you. I disagree with it for this reason. You know, I think it would have been more plausible under the prior system. They don't have control over this. Yeah, they're, uh, they they're don't have telling control. Sue Robinson when she can release her uh, they bindings. Can't. They can't. Um, she's independent. It's her decision. Now, where I leave the, the door open a crack is that there's a thought, and I've heard this from a couple of people, there's a thought that the reason that her decision is taking so long is because she told both sides to go back and come up with a compromise. Now, the NFL could drag their feet from that perspective, I guess, and say, eh, but I, I, don't, I don't think it makes any sense from the league's perspective either because they want to get it over with. Good, good or bad at training camp, they wanted it, I think, done before the start of training camp. I think that was the, the thought of everyone when they would speculate when it's coming out, when it's coming out, because the league wants it, you know, over. We talked about July 4th news dump and all that kind of stuff. Um, that was the conventional thinking. Um, the NFL doesn't have control over it, though. That's the problem. If, if they had control over it, Jody, you would have got the July 4th news dump. That's what you would have gotten. It would have been predictable at that point. The problem is Sue Robinson's in control of it. And Sue's evidently a slow worker. Not good, not bad. Uh, but, you know, that's our process, I get, I, I guess, as they say. The league doesn't have control over her decision. Then they can appeal and take back control if they want. But until that happens, I don't think they have that power any longer. Right. This is why I disagree with it. When they take it back, it's ultimate control because Roger Goodell yeah. can just then, flat yeah. out set the uh, parameters of whatever punishment he's going to face. And don't kid yourself. Uh, we here at Birds 365 uh, do 
90% Eagles, 10% the rest of the National Football League. If they had an equivalent of Birds 365 in Cleveland, which was 90% Browns and 10% everything else. Oh, 99% of the 90% would be about Deshaun Watson. And if you know that he's going out to uh, work out later in the day, oh, that's all you're going to be talking about. So, yes, uh, whether it's because of Sue Robinson and her process and the way that she feels she needs to come up with the number that Deshaun Watson, it's not doing the Browns any favors to have him in there because he's not really getting better. Do you think he's uh, becoming more of a leader of the Browns? as he sits with his neck in the execution chamber, uh, yeah. just ready well, to get lopped up? I, mean, I don't as, think so. As I said, you don't even have the ability to get on pads. So, I mean, it, it's not doing – no, it's not doing anything. I mean, whenever he comes in, he'll be the leader of the team simply because he's the quarterback. That's how it works. But, um, no, I don't think it's helping the Browns right now. I think they would like some clarity. I think the league would like some clarity. I think we would like some clarity. So close circuit to Sue Robinson, make a damn decision. They're not if they're not going to settle. They've had enough time. You know, let's inch it along, Jody McDonald. Yeah, I'm awaiting, and if they don't have a decision today, I'll probably bring it up at some point tomorrow. We got plenty to bring up with our first guest, Brandon Lee Gatton, the Bleeding Green Nation, going to hop aboard. Uh, we're trying to go Eagle-specific with the guests this week is out well because, yes, camp is opening up, and we're going to lose a bunch of these guys to grass time uh, once the Eagles start allowing guys to get there for practice. So we want to get a guy like Brandon Lee Gowton, who does such an outstanding job of covering the Eagles, here with us on Birds 365. He's next. Stay here. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze. And the Oz. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. There might be somebody who's already checked in over at the Novacare Complex. They will have their first practice tomorrow or workout tomorrow. Call it what you want. And yes, members of the media will be allowed to check at their first checkout in season of the Philadelphia Eagles. John McMullen will be there, as will Brandon Lee Gowton. They're both with me here today, and I appreciate that. BLG, are you ready for some grass time? Uh, you're muted, BLG. I believe, hopefully. It's either on his end or our end. I could, yes, we could see him talking, but we couldn't hear him talk. And he's trying to figure out and or contemplate why we couldn't hear him. BLG, you ready for grass time? Tone, try to bring BLG down and we'll try to figure it out, bring him back. Um, Yeah, well. You know, training camp, we're all learning. It's right. You got we, That's what this is all about, John, right? Is to yeah. work through the issues. This is, that you have. this is when you want to make those mistakes and you want to sharpen them up for September 11th in Detroit. Uh, very similar to Atlanta. PLG, nice. anything? Tapping yeah. out his microphone, but I uh, didn't hear anything. So I uh, still got some computer issues on his side. Uh, um, and maybe, get... yeah, maybe a reboot is uh, a potential there. Who knows? But we'll see. Right, we'll try uh... it one more time. No, nothing. The dulcet tones of Brandon Lee Gowton. I need them. I yeah, can't he's get. Got them. a very distinctive voice. So yes. uh, we will continue to try and work through those issues and get BLG up as uh, soon as we possibly can. And the process begins tomorrow. And the Eagles will cut down from 90 to 53 and then build themselves a practice squad. Uh, I know you take your challenge of getting the 53-man roster right with your other Eagle beat guys. And, you know, I'm pulling for you, big guy. Um, uh, But they will cut down to 53 and say John McMullen hits the nail right on the head. What do you think the practice squad is going to look like? They they will take advantage of every single one. We're going to try this one more time. BLG, talk to me. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, Not a problem. No worries. It happens all the time. <laughs> Rough start to training camp for me. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But that's why they have training camp. Uh, of course. That's why uh, we will punch you up just a couple of minutes after. Are you ready for some grass time, Mr. Gowton? I am, Jody. We've had this layoff, you know, a lot of hype around this team. It's finally time to get to see what they look like in a full practice setting, not just the seven on seven that we saw briefly in OTAs. What what what's most interesting 
for you as you head into this camp? I think the quarterback is obvious, so I'll take that off the table, uh, BLG. <laughs> but uh, other than Jalen Hurts, what what about this team are you most interested to clarify or at least somewhat clarify as they get to, to training camp and get on the field and get into the summer? I do think how Hurts performs is meaningful considering, you know, we, we saw um, Carson Wentz play really good before that 2017 season in camp and then really bad, I would say, or at least not great ahead of the 2020 season. But uh, taking that off the table, I think the other biggest concern with the Eagles is, you know, can this defense actually do anything against a quarterback who isn't one of the worst quarterbacks in the league and is actually a quarterback uh, worth a darn? And I, I think it would be nice to see some encouraging progress from then. Obviously, you don't, they're limited in what they can do in a practice setting with no real pass rush and everything, but you would like to see some encouraging signs on that front. You want to see what Jonathan Gannon has planned in terms of you know, a hybrid defense, if that's going to be the case. Are we going to see more 3 4 looks? So, really kind of interested to see what we see on the defensive side of the ball, especially with the thought that, you know, Typically earlier in camp, there's a, there is thought that the defense has an advantage early on. So you would hope that's the case um, with all these defensive improvements that they've made. One of the things that will intrigue me, and I'm waiting to hear you guys uh, be able to at least put forth an opinion. Again, it cannot be a definitive opinion because they'll be doing as much or not as much as they will. Um, but I'm very intrigued by the other Brandon Lee. That mm. would be Mr. Graham. Uh, coming back from a full, basically a full year injury, we know that the intangibles are what they are. He's uh, probably the biggest leader in the Eagles locker room, brings positive energy wherever he goes. But the bottom line is, can he still perform? Is he still physically capable of doing what Brandon Lee, Gowton has done, uh, Brandon Lee Graham has done <laughs> for the last decade? Uh, how, how can we is there any way you can even begin to get a guess on that? as to what uh, Graham actually looks like in the workouts that the Eagles will have before the first game of the season. Well, I like that you pointed out that his initials are indeed BLG yeah, as well, dude. Jody, because everyone likes to just call him BG, but, you know, let's get the re the real three full initials in there. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I would like to see him healthy. I mean, that's a first start, you know, seeing him actually practice full and out there on the field, no restrictions. Uh, I think Brandon Graham is a kind of guy who, despite the fact that I think he's 34 now, his age 34 season, he's played he played so few snaps earlier in his career. Where if you contrast him with someone like Butcher Cox, who's actually a little bit younger and entered the NFL uh, later than Brandon Graham did, Butcher Cox yeah. has played I think over like a thousand more snaps than Brandon Graham. Uh, so that's I think a, he, that's he a might good have point, more shred. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good point. It's really wild. Like you would, it doesn't match up with what you would expect. But uh, I, I think BG still has a lot of gas in the tank, so to speak, unless, you know, look, it's a serious injury. So sometimes that just saps, you know, a player for their career. Um, but if there's someone who I think might be able to push through that, I would say Brandon Graham is one of those guys. Yeah, he looked in phenomenal shape in the spring. And it's interesting. I think Brandon, I say all the time, is one of the most underrated players in Eagles history, believe it or not, uh, because he's turned into such a good player. If he had BLG's length, he would be a Hall of Famer. That's that's all he's missing. That's why he's not a finisher. He's a little bit too small from a traditional standpoint. Uh, doesn't have the long arms to be the great finishers of pass rush, but he's a great. He is a great, great player. Um, 
And at 34, he looks like he's in the best shape of his life. I was just talking about Jody, about pup guys. You know, we kind of know uh, our buddy Jimmy Kemsky broke way back that Tyree Jackson, Brett Toth are going to start on the pup list. No surprise there. Um, Isaac Sayamalo, though, you know, he, he mentioned at the end of spring that he was not fully cleared, mm -hmm. even though he was working uh, during OTA. So he's going to be an interesting uh, one to me, if he starts on the pup list, how do you kind of handicap that right guard position with Isaac Samalo versus Jack Driscoll? I think Samalo is going to be the guy in the end. I think he's the favorite. Um, we have to note here for as much as Isaac Samalo has had injury issues the past <clears throat> couple of years. I think he's what only played in nine, uh, 12 games nine. or so. Yeah. Nine. Uh, Jack Driscoll also gets hurt a lot. <laughs> I mean, he's been on IR multiple times in the past uh, two seasons. So uh, it's not like durability has been a strength for him as well. And that's that's why I think right guard, while certainly not a concern relative to many other offensive line uh, situations in the NFL, is a bit of a situation for the Eagles to figure out because of the injury issues there, because of Sumalo going from the left side. Where, over to the right, where he really hasn't taken reps extensively, at least in a long time. So uh, it's definitely another position to watch. All right. Uh, if you're a reader of uh, Bleeding Green Nation, then you know that BLG does a great job of giving you guys content all off-season long, which is where you actually have to work to come up with topics and angles to look at. And BLG came up with a good one last week. And when I text him and asked him if he would come on with us today, I said, well, your ears ringing because we had your buddy John Stolness on, on the day that you came out with ranking the positions in just the NFC East, the different way to look at it, who would be the starters if you took in all the players at the positions from the four teams in the NFC East, and you had to have Eagle fans smiling, BLG, because you had Jaquiski Tart as the number two safety in the NFC East, and you had Kaiser White as the number two linebacker in the entire NFC East. I said, I don't think Quisky Tart and Kazir White are the number two linebacker at their position on just the Eagles, let alone the entire NFC East. Let's go in order safety first. What is it about Quisky Tart that you like as much as you do? Well, for the record, Jody, I will say this is this is not me. This is one of my writers uh, for oh, BGN. You? Okay, my bad. Yeah, I'm computer. sorry. It's all right. But um, I will say because we did it, I did an NFC East, uh, all NFC East team on the podcast version for our, our one of our podcasts on the Bleeding Green okay, Nation right. uh, feed. But uh, I, I did not have Tart there, although I think you know it's not like there's exactly a lot of great safeties in the NFC East. So I mean, you can go with a Jaron Curse. I think you would have to right now over him. But like you know, I think he could kind of have he, that was a career year for him last year. I don't know that yeah, he's necessarily yeah. going to be able to <laughs> replicate that after kind of being a non-impact player slash journeyman uh earlier in his career so uh yeah i mean i don't even know if tart is starting here he's going to be competing for playing time i think all three of those safeties between marcus epps anthony harris and tart are all going to split playing time in some capacity i mean that's really what the eagles did last year they weren't yeah. just putting rodney mcleod out there like they usually did under jim schwartz and have him play 100 percent of the snaps he was rotating with epps and harris so i think they're going to have a three-man rotation there and then at linebacker, I mean, I think Kaiser White has a decent case. I mean, again, the division is not exactly loaded at linebacker. You, know, you could go with Blake Martinez uh, over him for sure. 
Um, obviously, Parsons has one of those spots locked down. No, no uh, argument yeah. there. Um, but beyond him, I, I think it's kind of open. And I think White's an interesting player. He's coming off a career year. The Eagles made a serious investment in him relative to previous off seasons. They gave him five million dollars. Um, I know a, a Chargers writer from uh, SB Nation's Chargers coverage that really re- laments the Chargers not. Re- he thinks the Chargers had a great off season, but the one thing they messed up is not re-signing Kaiser White. So I, I definitely think he's going to be an interesting player to watch in camp as well. Uh, Brandon, let's talk about the rotational aspect of what you just mentioned, because I think a lot of us think all three safeties are going to play. I think a lot of us think, you know, three linebackers are going to play and they're going to mix and match with TJ and Kaiser and N'Kobe Dean, uh, maybe even throw some Davion Taylor in there. You think that's a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, mm. these are not traditionally rotational positions. And you mentioned last year, the Eagles rotated safeties, but did they want to, or did mm. they have to? Um, and that's where I kind of see them this year, certainly at safety, not as much as linebacker where you hope two guys kind of seize the position, but do you think it's good to rotate? Do you think it's ahead of the curve or do you think that's a signal of more of a weakness? I think it's yeah, making the most of what you have. Obviously, if you have, two studs there you're just going to play them and <laughs> you're not going to take them off the field but uh when you don't i think you try to make the most of different skill sets and for nicobe dean specifically i'll mention him you know i think what he provides as a blitzer as a pass rusher has some value and i think there are going to be certain looks where he's going to be allowed to do that and the eagles hopefully won't maximize his strength in that regard I think there are other situations where you might want someone like Kaiser White, who might be a little bit more athletic and the size and everything, uh, and have him out there. Obviously, TJ Edwards, we know to be a really good in run defense. Uh, maybe not always so much in you know, always wanting him dropping back in the coverage on passing down. So, you know, I think it's kind of just trying to make the most of what your players are good at. Speaking of making most of what your players are good at, the addition of A.J. Brown is surely going to help the entire Eagle offense. He's uh, borderline one of the top 10 wide receivers in the National Football League, and he should be able to make plays and do things for the Eagles this year. The actual patterns that they run, the XYZ of wide receiving, we know what Devontae Smith was asked to do and what he achieved last year. How is the presence of A.J. Brown going to change We'll see the production after each and every single game and compare it to the kind of season that he had last year. But just conceptually, how does A.J. Brown being added to the lineup change what Devonta Smith's role is going to be with this team? Yeah, I think in theory, you know, it should free up Devontae Smith to have less attention on him in terms of you can't just always put your best corner on Devontae Smith. Like in theory, at least you could last year because he was the only really legitimate wide receiver target on the team. Um, You know, A.J. Brown has really made uh, his living off the middle of the field. More recently, last year, I believe 60% of his targets came in that area, which is a really interesting contrast with Jalen Hurts. Yeah throwing the ball over the middle of the field only 10% of the time, which is the fewest in the NFL, uh, below, well below the NFL average of like 22%. So that's something's going to give there. I mean, you you would think Jalen Hurts is going to have to utilize the middle of the field more. But it's not only like Brown is, you know, valuable in that regard in terms of running over the middle and making tough catches as much as he 
and, and this is represented in his yards per reception number, he can make big plays too, down the field, vertical threat. So um, I think the interesting thing about these receivers is they can kind of win in a, in a number of different ways. I think Devontae, people don't think of him necessarily as a deep threat, and we didn't see a ton of that last year, but I think he has that ability. And I know, John, we saw some of that in OTAs in very limited sample size, but he can certainly burn receivers or sorry, cornerbacks deep down the field. So I think you can kind of use these guys in different ways. I think you can mix and match. I don't think anyone uh, is really pigeonholed to like one certain thing or you might think of Quez Watkins only as a burner, but I think he has some um, uh, some jump ball ability as well. So I think there's there's a lot of versatility here. Uh, we've gone about 20 minutes, BLG, without talking about the quarterback uh, a little bit, but so let's get to the quarterback Mm -hmm. and, you know, Mike Sando, uh, does this survey of NFL executives and, and, uh, coaches every year. And I think it's the best sort of indication of what the league thinks about quarterbacks, um, good or bad. And you can disagree with them, agree with them. But, you know, it's a tier system, and Jalen Hurts was placed in tier three at number 20. I think the league was trolling us. He was tied with Carson Wentz at number 20. That that one I'm going to give to Mike Sando. He might have just moved the needle a little (laughs) bit to make it a tie at number 20 between Jalen and Carson. Um, are you surprised at where he landed? A little bit too low? I think the tier is right. Um too low, too high. Um, And I think the more important part is there are a couple coaches who thought he had the potential to go to tier two. Nobody, nobody said tier one. Mm -hmm. You think that's too harsh or you agree with that? I think it was spot on really. I mean, you can kind of nitpick, you know, it should be 20, could be, you know, 17, whatever. But like you said, the tier, I think ultimately is in the right place. And the description of that tier was like quarterbacks who basically you can win with, but you need to rely on a strong supporting cast and a heavy running game. And as I like to say a billion times about Jalen Hurts, the Eagles ran the ball more than any other team in terms or they threw the ball in terms of passing play percentage uh, less than any team last year. So they very much needed to rely on uh, things. And, and to his credit, he did enough in his part to, you know, again, be able to allow the Eagles to win with him. But I think ideally, when you're signing a quarterback to one of these massive extensions, like the Cardinals just did with Kyler Murray, you want to sign a guy like that. And I'm not the biggest Kyler Murray guy, but that's a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to, because they have at least flashes of like, we can win with this guy and he can carry us in certain moments. And I just don't think we've seen that with Hertz. It doesn't mean he can't get there. But I think right now, uh, how I feel about Hertz is how I kind of feel about the Eagles as a whole. And it's that. I think Mm. there's a very high floor to work with there, but I think there's a low ceiling. Mm. We talk about uh, Mr. Hurts plenty here in this town, and well, we should because any year, any time, the Eagles quarterback is going to be the number one talked about position in the sporting world in Philadelphia. So it's usually here. Jalen Hurts this season probably should be. And because of the questions that are attached to Jalen at this time, it kind of runs through the ceiling. He answers all the questions correctly, and he's got a great feel for the position that he's in as the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles and the whole rat poison thing. Uh, He handles his business well on the microphone. Do we have the faith that what he says is the exact same way that he reacts 
that he really doesn't allow the scrutiny, the unbelievable scrutiny of being the Eagles quarterback, get inside his head. He he seems to handle his questioning superbly. Does he do that when he's on the field with his teammates? I think so. I think we've seen evidence that, you know, the players love him. And I think he checks all the boxes, really, in terms of the intangibles, um, mobility. It's it's everything but one of the most important parts uh, parts of being a quarterback, which is, you know, the passing ability and the processing, which is evidenced in him having one of the slowest times to throw in the NFL um, and not really working the middle of the field and not having that mastery yet. And again, I, I keep saying it's not like the book has been written on him yet. And everything's final. He's only 23. He's entering his third season in the league, his second as a full-time starter. So the potential is there, but it's not like unlimited potential. It's not like, you know, a sky high. To your point, John, about what these NFL execs are seeing, and it doesn't mean they're right just because they said it. I mean, people are wrong within the league. Um, But (laughs) but the idea that like there's not like people here being like, oh, there's tier one upside. I think that kind of matches what we all kind of are seeing here. We've never seen like this is a a special difference maker kind of quarterback. And he doesn't necessarily have to be. Not only those quarterbacks win. Uh, Matthew Stafford was in that tier two in those rankings. And obviously the Rams just won a Super Bowl. But of course, they had a loaded roster around him. So, you know, there's a path there. But ideally, you know, you want that elite quarterback. So you're in the in the hunt every year like the Chiefs are, you know, like the Packers are, like these elite teams are. Um, So that should be the goal. And I feel like for an organization that uh, has an owner who said he's obsessed, you know, with an elite passing offense. Yeah. and, And certainly a lot of resources into trying to find the quarterback i just i don't think good enough is going to be good enough for him at some point well you make a good point brandon uh yeah to play a little bit of a devil's advocate i do think there's a special part of jalen hurts's skill set and that is the ability to extend plays and the off schedule offense and the mobility um as you mentioned, though, conventional thinking is you got to throw the ball on third down. That's what somebody said in the piece. If you can't win on third down, if you can't, you know, the back foot hit the ground and 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 you can convert third and seven, all that kind of stuff, the NFL is never going to let you um, into that tier one category. They kind of mentioned it with Lamar Jackson, hmm. uh, who's already won an MVP in this league. Um Nick Sirianni in the offseason kind of, you know, raised my eyebrows a little bit because he's constantly said the four things he looks at at quarterback are accuracy, decision-making, those movement skills, and arm strength. But he said accuracy is number one, decision-making is number two. And then he kind of hedged, and he was like, but, you know, that off-schedule stuff. And he said, I believe his quote was, Sometimes you don't know what you have till you have it. And he is special from that perspective, but Mm -hmm. you got to build around that. Can the Eagles accept that and build around that? Mm. Because he's never going to be the tier one thrower. I don't think there's even uncertainty there. We know that he's never going to be Justin Herbert Mm -hmm. as a young quarterback, Joe Burrow, but he's special in a different way. So why not build around that? Can the Eagles do that? I don't think they want to based on all the resources they've put in, you know, trying to revamp the passing attack between, you know, trading for 
AJ Brown and you know having Devontae Smith here and then paying Dallas Goddard and you know like all the all these things where I think it's very clear they, they want to be able to pass the ball. They've always been pass heavy under Jeffrey Lurie. It's not just about Andy Reid or Doug Peterson. It's about you know, the organizational philosophy of passing the ball. So I think it's tough to assume they want to be like the the Ravens. Um, and I also think it's tough to think that that's definitely a great strategy that works. I mean, Lamar Jackson has obviously been a sensational talent in the regular season. His playoff numbers are really, really bad. Like, I don't know if people fully realize how bad they are. Like, go look yeah. up his pass rating in those games. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if he has one above 80. Like, it's he's been it's been bad. You need to be able to pass the ball at a high level, ultimately at some point in the playoffs. And I think the Eagles are, again, giving Jalen Hurts an opportunity to try to do that. And I, I agree with you, John. There's some value in the off-structure uh, you know, ability there, but it has to be balanced. You can't, that can't be your bread and butter. And I think that's the problem, uh, or it is, or it was last year, especially against the better teams. Certainly the Tampa Bay mm. Buccaneers didn't work against them. So I think there needs to be more of a balance there between, you know, being able to kind of execute from the pocket and get the ball quick at times. And then there's, you know, you pick and choose your spots where you need to extend plays and make something happen. My PLG, there are no ties in this next question. I need you to give me a definitive order. If you want to explain it and say how close they are or how much distance there is between, feel free. But give me the order of your ranking hmm. of the four coaching staffs in the NFC East. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with <laughs> – I'm not a Mike McCarthy believer. I'm really not. So I'm going to have to go with the Eagles, number one. Um I don't know if Nick Sirianni gives the Eagles a huge edge. I still ha I have questions about that, but I think we've seen enough of a floor there, kind of like the quarterback position, where uh, I know the bottom isn't going to completely fall out. So I'll put that. Uh, I know McCarthy has the Super Bowl ring. I know the Cowboys won the East last year, but the fact that he seems like a dead man walking and there's Sean Payton rumors, I just don't love uh, and combined <laughs> with the whole offseason that the Cowboys have had of just – you know, not feeling uh, good. Uh, I'll put them number two. I'll put Rivera number three right now, just because he's been there before and nothing special, um, but has been solid. And then Dable, you know, I think the Giants have the potential to have something there with not only him, but also, you know, Wink Martindale at defensive coordinator. Uh, they got Kafka, Mike Kafka, former Eagles quarterback, as we know, at offensive coordinator. So, I think there's potential for that staff, but I'm not going to just assume they're great until we actually see some results. So I'll put them at four. Yeah. Um, the Giants, and by the way, follow Brandon at Brandon Gowton uh, on Twitter. You can read him at Bleeding Green Nation. Does a tremendous job there. Podcast all over the place, mm. uh, BLG. Um, when it comes to the Giants, uh, they've been really since – Tom Coughlin and Jerry Reese, and they moved on. They've made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. You start to see that worm turn a little bit because I am. I look up the turnpike. Now, I don't think it's going to manifest itself this year. I don't think Eagles fans have to worry this year. But they finally seem to be making some good decisions. You mentioned it in the coaching staff with Wink Martindale. Mike Kafka's really highly regarded guy. They get two top 10 talents and those guys are talented. I don't mm -hmm. know if they'll develop, but they're, when you talk about ceiling versus floor, sure. those guys got high ceilings. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal. 
worry you a little bit uh, that the Giants are finally starting to make some decent decisions? Absolutely. You know, not this year, like you said, but I think uh, I kind of look at it as, you know, the Giants before, you know, they're climbing a mountain and there's no even clear path to get to the top. Like there's just, you know, it's a total, uh, there's, you know, like landslides covering the trails and everything. They, they're just stuck. They have nowhere to go. They still have this mountain to climb. Now the path is clear, but it's still, a, it's a big mountain to climb, but at least they can see the way up. And it's a matter of, okay, can they actually execute this and make it up there? Uh, I think they have a good foundation right now in place. And I think how they've been honest with themselves in terms of they realized this isn't a foundation for us to build on right away and like go all in this year and try to win immediately. We kind of need to continue to strip down this roster like they did by getting rid of James Bradbury, which is going to hurt now. But in the long term, getting that cap space probably makes the most sense for them and kind of being able to build up uh, after this year um, and not committing a bunch of money to players now. I think that's the right move for them to, to kind of take a step back to hopefully take a step forward next year. Again, I think Dable could be worth something. Um, they have, you know, ammunition to potentially, you know, be in, in the quarterback market if they want uh, or if they have to potentially when they realize Daniel Jones probably isn't the guy. So um, still have to get that quarterback position right at some point and we'll see if they can. But I think the coaching staff offers optimism. I think the front office with Joe Shane offers some optimism. So they're definitely, I mean, and just, you know, look what they've had in the past between yeah. Dave Gettleman oh. and Pat Shermer and Ben McAdoo and Joe Judge. Like, you know, they were, they're a laughing stock. They were a joke. And now I think they have some level of credibility. All right, uh, BLG, Johnny asked you about this earlier, but uh, I'll, I'll widen the focus a little bit. You talked about uh, the right tackle position, what, uh, the right guard position, excuse me. What quote unquote camp battle is the one that intrigues you most that you actually think uh, you can debate right now as to who's going to get how many reps, who's going to be on the field more than someone else? Uh, just from your own uh, debating standpoint, which one do you think is the best camp battle as they actually report for the first day today? Yeah, I'm interested to see how linebacker really shakes out because I think people think Nicobe Dean's going to come in and be like this day one starter. Um, but that's really not the case, at least from the jump. Like Kaiser White and TJ Edwards were the guys in OTAs. And I think it's not just going to uh, be them falling by the wayside and becoming irrelevant. Like Nicobe Dean's going to have to earn his playing time. And I think he will have a role this year, but I kind of question how big that role will be. So, and I'm just really interested to see him because you know, this is a guy, as we know, who thought everyone thought was going to go higher. But there was weird, you know, kind of injury stuff there. You have the Giants GM who we were just speaking of saying that there were some things there that he didn't want to get into. So I want to see if can Kobe Dean actually stay fully healthy and prove there's no issues in training camp and hold up. Because, again, I don't want to compare him to Sidney Jones. But back in the day, everyone thought Sidney Jones was the steal. And tra training camp after training camp, he couldn't even stay healthy. So uh, really interested to see the linebacker spot. Uh, BLG at Bleeding Green Nation, BleedingGreenNation.com, uh, does a wonderful job. I will see you tomorrow, uh, yes. Brandon League out, and hopefully for some grass time. Now, no pads until, what did mm. I tell you, Jody? Day eight, I believe. Eight or nine, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So we're not going <laughs> to see the pads for a while. But hopefully it's, it's not going to be as hot. So we'll get a little bit of a break there. Still going to be hot, just not oppressively hot. All right, BLG, let me uh, wrap it up on this sure. uh, note. 
um, and I think uh, John would probably disagree with this. I should know this because we do it every uh, single day. <laughs> how many how many touchdowns are you Eagles going to beat the Lions by opening week? <laughs> I've got the Lions winning that game, Joe. No, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, I love it. No, 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 no. Don't say that. Don't, don't even it. kid, Gowton. Is it the it. Lions winning that yeah. game? It's a tough spot. It's yeah. Dan, look, Dan Campbell is out for revenge after yeah. the, the, the Eagles blew out revenge the Lions game. in Detroit yes. last Dan year. It's the revenge was game. was out for revenge all year last year. How many games did he win? It, yeah. Here's another thing that I will say uh, that kind of worries me. Kneecaps, Jody, <laughs> They're going to bite the Eagles' kneecaps. Historically, have the Eagles been good at living up to high expectations? It's hard to say the definitively yes to that. So that's just something to watch for. Yeah, that's true. When they won the Super Bowl, they weren't supposed to win the Super Bowl, so the expectations weren't what they are. They probably weren't even as high in that season as they are coming into this season. Oh, yeah, but you're blatantly wrong. They're winning by at least two touchdowns. <laughs> but uh, BLG, you know, we love whenever you come on with us. Uh, J Max looking to hang out with you this week, have a good time. Thanks, much. We'll get you up again before that all important lion blowout week number one. That's for damn sure. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. Gouton of Bleeding Green Nation, not to be confused with Brandon Lee Graham making his return to the Philadelphia Eagles this year uh, from the injuries that he had last year. I don't even worry about uh, BLG, the Eagles BLG. I don't worry about either BLG. Really? I know he's 34. I know he's coming off an Achilles. I'll probably be wrong. But, man, that guy is just – he keeps himself in such great shape. Um. As a as a rotational player, he's not. You know, I'm not expecting to play 80 percent of the snaps. I think he's going to be fine. I could. I I, I don't even worry about Brandon Graham. I yeah, really don't. see, I hope so. That's two things. Number one, the severity of the injury, and number two, the fact. Even though BLG gave us a great stat, I didn't know those numbers that Fletcher Cox. Yeah, played that was a good. That was a good snaps, point. Even though he came into the league after BLG did so, quote unquote, rubber on the tire. Uh, BLG should still have it, but age is also age. You, the, yeah, there's, it is. there's no lessening the number of days you've been on the planet. So uh, I, I'm just hoping that there isn't a appreciable drop off in his talent because of both the injury and because uh, he is now yeah 34 years old. I'm hoping that's the case. If if your attitude and your work ethic can dictate that then yeah uh, graham's gonna be able to step i in also and, and, and i know we got to get the break but i also factor in he got injured so early in the season like i saw him so much at the end of last season like he looked completely healthy so i think if we're you know i bring up tyree jackson brett Toth, who are much lesser players but you factor in that as well but they were they were injured in week 18 um, if he was injured week 18, I'd be, oh, I'd be hand ringing all over the place. He got hurt. I think it was week two. He was, he, he was healthy and ready to go at the end of last season. He looked, he was chomping at the bit. Uh, so I think that factors into my thought process as well. I think he's ready from a physical standpoint. Now, you know, at that age, we saw it with Brandon Brooks. He tore one, then he tore the other, you know, you know, sometimes, you put so much pressure during a rehab and Brandon is in better shape than he's ever been before. So he's obviously been rehabbing very, very hard. Sometimes that puts stress on your body, especially early in the process when you're trying to rehab an injury on one side, all of a sudden 
stuff starts happening on other side, other injuries. So, you know, part of it is I just believe in the person. I believe in the guy. I believe in the player. Um, but it's similar to Jason Kelsey. You know, people can bring up, and rightfully so, you know, Jason's going to be 35 or whatever. You know, I don't even worry about him because why should I? At some day it'll show up. I'm not saying it's going to last forever. But until I see it, you know, why even worry about it? Father time is undefeated. Now, Tom Brady's taking him all 15 rounds. But at some point, yes, even Tom Brady is going to retire. Tom yeah. Brady's not Well, gonna it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. But it's one of those things where I can't worry about it until I see the decline. You know, people are talking about Fletcher Cox and the decline. I think they're overstating it. Because of how good he once was, I still think he's a good football player. But you see a clear decline. I haven't seen a clear decline from Jason Kelsey or Brandon Graham pre-injury. Um, and we'll see. It'll happen at some point. You're right, man. No question about that, Jody. It's going to happen at some it happens point. happens to everybody, but the question is when, how quickly, how big a drop-off is it if there's a drop-off at all? Uh, yeah, that's one of the things that I would be focusing in on if I was on the grass with you guys. Uh, I'm not sure how much you can learn or what you'd be able to learn, but I think it's worth focusing in on uh, uh, Brandon Graham because if he hasn't lost a step, now all of a sudden the Eagles have a pass rush because you got Hassan Reddick and he's going to get there some, and you've got a maybe underestimated Brandon Graham on the other side. Yes, and a Kobe Dean. Part of the reason why I think the guy's going to be able to jump in and play in his rookie year is his ability to get after the quarterback. I think Jonathan Gannon will not be 30. Yeah, don't forget Josh Sweat as well. Josh can get after the quarterback as well. So they're pretty deep up front. I don't think they'll be 31st in the league in sacks this year. All right, J-Mac, J-Mac, the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Come up, we'll set up our number two, which includes... Chris Franklin of NJ.com joining us in less than 20. Stick around. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. got Maga Mac here with you on Birds 365. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, uh, getting you prepped for the beginning of the season. And the Eagles are actually reporting today. They'll get their first true workout tomorrow. Uh, and uh, John and his buddies like Chris Franklin and BLG will actually get to go out and uh, pick up some tidbits on what the Eagles started the season is going to look like. You're going to get your first chance to talk to Nick Sirianni, quote unquote, in season, had a couple of uh, sessions during the off season, during the OTAs and the like. And at least from what I saw, and I'm just seeing clips, you were actually there. You got to witness firsthand. Seemed more relaxed. Is that a fair thing to say about the Eagles second year coach? <clears throat> oh, yeah. I mean, that's just we talked about it all the time, you know, with players. The, the most improvement is expected between the first and second year and a lot of that is tied to just comfortability, uh, comfortability, because think about it, you know, you're usually moving, you know, wherever you go to college, Alabama, you're moving to Philadelphia for the first time. You're trying to get your feet on the ground. You're typically uh, a very young person. Uh, everything can be a little bit overwhelming. Then you got to work, go to work. You got to learn about your job. It's just common sense. Everybody gets a little bit more comfortable. Same thing for a rookie head coach. Um, you know, now Nick has settled in a certain South Jersey town, you know, uh, trying to talk trash with other tennis players. Uh, yeah, he's feeling more comfortable. Uh, and he's feeling more comfortable uh, with the job and his team. He learned. He admitted he learned on on the fly, as everyone does with that job. There's no experience. You can talk about being a coordinator. You can talk about being um, uh, in charge of one side of the ball. I, I, one thing I've talked to a lot of coaches, and I've said this to you before, Jody, one thing they've all had in common, every single one of them, when they get to be a head coach for the first time, is I didn't realize – how big the job was. I didn't yeah. realize how much stuff outside of football I had to deal with. And you, you can't know it until you do it. And Nick's the same way. So he understands the job better. He's adjusted everything from his schedule uh, to calling plays, which would be the most high profile. He scaled back on that. Um, 
so yeah, he's much, much more comfortable in year two. And that can only be a help. It can't be a hindrance. <clears throat> and when Nick Sirianni was hired, we knew he was brought in because he wowed the Eagles in the interview process. And he did have a tie to Frank Reich, who the Eagles liked when he was here, part of the Super Bowl championship team. Um, but he was a wide receiver guy. And year one, they drafted a wide receiver very high, but the other guys were turning weren't exactly a phenomenal grouping, uh, despite the fact that they took Jalen Rager in the first round. He had the rookie year that he did. They were hoping for a bust-out year in year two. All right, that one didn't happen. I'm not going to put it on Sirianni, but it just flat-out didn't happen. Now they add A.J. Brown. How much more fun do you think Sirianni will have working with this wide receiver? Because he hasn't gotten out of his system. Uh, when you guys ask him questions about wide receivers, he can go off on a wide receiver tangent like nobody's business. Last year, what was the game? The Giant game? Giants game, yeah. yeah he him went breaking yeah. down what the wide receivers did on that given play yeah. was basically a tutorial on wide receivers in the National Football League. So yeah. we know he loves the position, and that was his position, and he's certainly yeah, good at talking about it. How much fun do you think he's going to have with this group this year? You know, I I don't think it's about uh, fun as much for him. I think football is fun for him. I you know sure. I just think he likes everything about football. I think he felt a necessity to work with the receivers last year. Like I would joke in training camp, he'd spend so much time with the receivers. I'd go, you know, he does realize he's the head coach, right? I mean, he's out there. He was pretty much Aaron Moorhead and Nick Sirianni co. You could tell. He, he was invested on getting this group better. Um, and I don't know if they got better between you and me. I mean, Devontae's Devontae. And then you could argue, Quez Watkins got better, certainly. Eh, Jalen Rager, I would argue, went backward. Greg Ward, they didn't utilize, he, he wasn't, he went backward. Flatline so best. I, I think he's far more comfortable in the younger receivers, the other younger receivers. It's no real development at least that we saw. Um, so he's going to be more comfortable. Look, you had another, I always said last year, I would say put Devontae Smith off to the side because he's just different than everybody else. Now you have two of those guys. So with AJ Brown, um, so he doesn't have to worry about them as much. Um, he's got a guy he's very comfortable with and Zach Pascal. He knows he doesn't have to worry about him. Um, so I think he's going to be less worried about the position um, and more apt to do his job as the head coach of the, uh, of the entire uh, team. Um, so I think from that standpoint, it's certainly a positive, um, but I am interested. I want to see some development from these younger guys you know, and I'm I'm just looking at my roster here. I'm I'm talking about, and I'm not talking about playing Jody, but whether it's the practice squad or fourth, fifth receiver. You know, the Devin Allen's we talked. You know, Britton Kobe, Carrick Wheatball, Josh Hammond, John Hightower, Deion Kane. Let's see something. I mean, you're supposed to be the wide receiver guru. Let's get some of these guys up to speed to see if they can help. But. We'll see. We'll see right. how it Even works. though it doesn't seem, at least to me, like there's a lot of roster flexibility there, there's a good chance one of those two guys can make the team as the returner. 
because I'm not all that jazzed or infused by uh, Rager uh, being the return guy. Uh, I don't know if there's room for him. I, there's certainly room, but I don't know if I would project it or predict it that you're going to get uh, better wide receiver play if he is forced to play this year for the Eagles. Um, yeah, that's not a bad uh, sentiment, John, that maybe one of these guys who is on the outside looking in and has one path to get in and it's got to be returned, but then you got to widen your path if you do so. Should be interesting to see if that uh, plays out with the birds here this uh, offseason. I want to get uh, one more comment in from you on the quarterback rankings. And you touch on, you brought up, we brought up yesterday, um, but we went a little further in detail with BLG. uh, The athletics uh, ranking using coaches and executives from around the league, which gives a little bit more gravitas. Uh, I I think it was you who said, you can still get it wrong. That doesn't mean because they are quote unquote executives and coach, they could still miss. It's not a guaranteed or a given, but you give them at least the, the credit that they've earned and deserve because they're in the league and have been handling and viewing these players from up close and personal while the rest of us do this from outside looking in. Uh, they had Jalen Hurts ranked as the 20th quarterback coming into the season, tied with Carson Wentz at number 20. Did they have to move the needle to make it a tie? They may very well have, but uh, and uh, just for note, in the article itself, they listed Jalen Hurts first. Now, that may be alphabetical order. I don't know uh, why, why they decided to do it that way, but in case you needed to know, Hurts was first, Carson Wentz was second, even though they were supposedly tied for 20th. I, who's the guy who's either above Jalen Hurts that you say within the first five games of the season, if you made, remade the list, Jalen Hurts would be higher than he is. Who's the guy who's below Jalen Hurts that you say, yeah, I probably would have had him ahead of Jalen Hurts on the list. So when he goes by him, you won't be surprised at all. I got to pop up the list real quick. I'm trying to think out of memory. Um, I believe, and, and if you have the list, tell me. If I I'm do. Right. Here's tier three is Cousins, Jimmy G. Yeah, Jimmy G. Yeah. I mean, he's better right now. He's a better quarterback. He's a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Really? Um, yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't like Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit. Um, yeah, I, you know, it, it, I, that's one where I go, come on guys, come on. You're defaulting and, and they should know better than anybody else about, you know, how I feel about Kyle Shanahan too. They should know better than anybody else. What Kyle Shanahan thinks about Jimmy G and what he's done to sort of mask his deficiencies. There's no way Jalen Hurts should be below Jimmy Garoppolo right now, never mind five games into the season. He's the one guy where I said, come on, come on. Now, there are other guys behind him, Trevor Lawrence most notably. Look, I get why he's behind him, but I don't think there's any chance by the end of the season that Trevor Lawrence isn't ahead of Jalen Hurts. I don't believe there's any chance, any chance. Um, That's how much I think of his talent. And I also have a lot of respect for Doug, and I think he'll get him back on on the right track. Trevor Lawrence I'm talking about, obviously. Uh, so those are the two guys where I went. I get it with Lawrence because what happened last year, it's hard to put him that high. Um, but you know he's going to get better. And then I was like, where's Goff? Goff's below him, right? Goff is uh, directly behind both Hurts and yeah. – uh... 
Jalen. That one is more iffy to me than Jimmy. Uh, because I think I think Jared Goff offers a little bit more as a veteran quarterback, but he'll pass him probably early in the season. But I think Goff is better than Garoppolo. Um, but yeah, he's he's they got it right for the most part. The tier they got right. Um, by the way, their tier one is exactly my tier one. I'm proud of myself. That tier one is exactly my tier one. Yeah, see, they I put Herbert. Have... They put Herbert and Burrow in there, which I was surprised. I didn't have those a problem. Those are the problem with them putting them in there, but they drop Russell Wilson. He's been a tier one guy for the last several years. Yeah, and I know he didn't have as good a season last year. I'll tell you, it was as much the players around him as it was Russell Wilson. Uh, no, if you're going to put Russell Wilson in at number eight and put Stafford in at seven because he won the Super Bowl this past year, then that's where you draw the line. Then you make tier one eight deep rather than six deep. Uh, I got no problems with either Herbert or Burrow being ranked ahead of him, but I think it's a little bit of a slap in the face to Russell Wilson. And if I don't think Russell, I don't the kind think, of guy we, I don't think there's, I mean, it's a difficult grading skill. Um, I don't have any problem with either. I'm, I'm a big Matthew Stafford guy. I, I have that sort of demarcation line right there. Because I think those top six, and we're talking about Rodgers. Rodgers is one. Always, you know, someday we talk about father time. That'll stop. But from the league's perspective, make no mistake about it. I've talked about this for years. Aaron Rodgers is number one. Then it was, I believe, Mahomes, then Brady, Josh Allen, and then Herbert Burrow, I believe. Uh, I don't know who was ahead of who. Um, in this, I'm going from memory. Herbert went, first, Burrow second, yeah. uh, five, six. But l- let me ask you the question. And again, uh, this is your own preference, and uh, uh, I would uh, do it a little bit differently. Where's the bigger drop off from Burrow to Stafford or Russell Wilson to Deshaun Watson? I don't think there's a huge drop off between either. I mean, Deshaun's incredibly talented, um, incredibly. Um, so I don't think there's a big drop off there. Um, I, the truly, truly elite uh, uh, quarterbacks, probably a little bit more of a drop off. So there's probably a little bit more of a drop off from six and seven there than eight and nine. Yeah, wow, well, I disagree with you there. Russell Wilson's won a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Sean Watson has won what? Yeah, but I, I, you know, again, we always talk about, and I get it. I fall prey to it as well. You know, Aaron Rodgers has one. You know, Eli Manning has two. Does that make Eli Manning a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers? I mean, it's not even close. It's not even, they're not even in the same universe. It takes other things to win a Super Bowl. Uh, there are other people involved. There's luck. Sometimes it's luck. If you look at the Rams, you know, we talk about Tart because he's here now. Think about that razor slim margin of Matthew Stafford turning the corner from what he was regarded as by some in Detroit to being Super Bowl winner. If, if he throws that interception, 
you know, those old tropes come back. Well, he can't do this. He can't do that. He's not a star. Now he's a star. I mean, I I don't value I, – I value Super Bowl wins. I'm not saying that. But, you know, if anybody wants to tell me any of these quarterbacks that have two Super Bowls are better than Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to argue with them because I think he's one of the best quarterbacks who's ever lived. I think he's in the conversation with three or four people. Um, and he's only got one, and I hate that term, only got one. Um, it's hard to win Super Bowls, and it's not just about the quarterback. It's not the sole determining factor, and I don't even know if it's the top determining factor, but it's a factor, and it should be a factor, because that's what we're all in it for, is to get your team to the biggest game and then be able to have a parade thereafter. So uh, I, I don't want to overemphasize it. I'm with you there but I don't want to underemphasize it either. All right. Uh, Jody Mack with Johnny Mack at the Mack and Mack guys here on Birds 365. Chris Franklin, NJ.com, next up here on Birds. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
McMullen and McDonald here with Young Birds 365. We bring in another of our Irish brothers, uh, Chris Franklin. Good enough to join us here on Birds 365. Although, as you can see, he tans much superior to John McMullen and or Jody McDonald. So we got to give you the props. Hey, you must have had a damn good summer with that tan, Franklin. Oh, I had a great time. You know, we just went around to the beach and just had some fun. So it's always fun talking to my Irish brothers, you know. A little bit of a brogue on you, huh? I give you A for effort. Don't know if I can give you A for execution, but I give you A for effort. Um, I, you ready to hang out with McMullen for these next six months? Or yeah, he's going to love it. He's going to love it. I I can't, I know it's hard to believe, but I actually missed it. I'm I'm I missed the camaraderie, even sitting around the, the random conversations that goes on, and I, I I actually missed the other beat writers. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that it's a lot. It's a lot of fun in there. It's some interesting moments great, happen there. There is great shame in saying that. Though. <laughs> might not be. I'm still kind of a new guy, so yeah, you know, maybe I'm not, I'm not in there yet and I haven't fully marinated yet, but yeah. <laughs> uh, too much marionation, I would argue. But uh, uh, no. Uh, Merry Christmas Eve, uh, shall we say at that, as training camp technically starts today, but really doesn't start till tomorrow. When you get on the field with some of the players, they're not going to be able to have pads on for another week or so. But um, what are you most looking forward to? And I'll take the quarterback off the table because obviously we're all interested to see Jalen Hurts, but. Um, what do you need to see? What do you want to see most? What's most interesting to you as we start another training camp with the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, I think a lot of the focus and attention, rightfully so, has been with the acquisition of A.J. Brown and what the offense can do. I'm looking over to defense because it's been a while, in my opinion, it's been a while since we've seen like a true depth at linebacker. It's been a while since we've seen the defensive line had a really good performance over a season. I mean, 29 sacks last year, second to last in the league, and that doesn't do what they do. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing how that unit does, how it gels. I mean, they're probably going to hide this type of stuff they want to do, in front of us at least anyway, this type of stuff they want to do beginning week one, week two. But I just want to see how well all three layers of that defense does for, for the upcoming season and seeing what they could possibly do. All right, I want to ask about a uh, specific player, and I think we've talked about him with you before, but I uh, want to uh, bear down even more so. And that's Miles Sanders. Everyone has acknowledged, including those who will be making the decisions, although I don't know if Shane Steichen, have you guys talked to Steichen all offseason? He was made oh, available yeah. at least oh, once yeah. during the OTA. But was that before or after Nick came out and said, and Shane will be calling the plays again this no, year? Shane said it first. And that's what we're like, us. whoa, yeah. <laughs> whoa, all right. All right, right, Shane. All right, Mr. Big Man. You're called the plays. <laughs> he, he will be doing so. Uh, and it's, uh, we all know, a uh, team effort. But he's the guy who's going to actually make the uh, call on the on the spot at, in the moment. Um Everyone believes the Eagles are going to run the ball less this year than they did last year. They didn't bring in A.J. Brown to just be a complimentary receiver and fill in the role that Jalen Rager had last year. No, he's going to be better. He's going to get the ball more often. The Eagles are going to throw it more often. Last year, Miles Sanders rushed 5.5 yards per, which was one of the better average per carries in the National Football League. So you're not going to judge Miles Sanders this year by – uh, how many overall yards he puts up because they're going to run it less. 
you can't really expect them to be better than 5.5. That's one of the best in the league. How can Miles Sanders show up and show out this year? Can he in what we believe the Eagles offense is going to be? I actually think he's going to average. I wouldn't put it past him that he averaged around 5.5 again, because when you look at what this offense does now, and the fact that the safeties have to stay back, because you don't want to get burnt by AJ. <clears throat> well, Chris, you muted yourself. Do you think Chris did that, or do you think we've got a different issue? I here think he way? did because it's a little mute, but who knows? Uh, uh, Tone, could you bring Chris down and try yeah. to figure that out if he did? Um, yeah. yeah, did he no, have uh, no. earbuds in? Because a lot of time guys will have earbuds in. Uh, Chris Franklin, you hearing us? Yeah, yeah, I don't the, think he is. A little, the little he had the earbuds in. So we'll see. We're having some mute problems. It's just like the Eagles. They're going to struggle in the first week. Yeah, both of our guests today, BLG, we went through it. it it's, hey, it's opening day of the season. There are a couple of bugs. We got to get out of the system and we'll work. Yeah, it happens. Let me let well, me run the question I ran by Chris, by you, John McMullen. Last year, Miles Sanders had the year that he did, injury included. Um, there are certain things that he did very well. 5.5 yards per carry is damn good. There were other things good. he didn't do it near as well. Didn't catch the ball out of the backfield. Did not find the end zone once. Uh, do you think that there is a path for him to put up a wow type year that uh, he will make the decision on how much the Eagles should pay uh, Sanders to bring him back? Do you do you think that can happen? Um, and we'll see. With we've, we've got Chris still having some problems with the microphone, but uh, I don't think so. And and then uh, it starts with the definition, right, Jody? So what is the definition the fans have of a breakout season? You know, I would say those twelve hundred fifty yard rushers, they don't really exist anymore. No. I think it's it's Derrick Henry, it's Jonathan Taylor, it's Nick Chubb, it's Dalvin Cook, it's Christian McCaffrey. Five guys over the past three four years have gotten to that level, um, partially because. Uh, of the changes in the game as a whole, and it's more of a passing game, but partially because the teams that do run the football, they split the carries, right? They split it. And Nick Sirianni has shown that while he doesn't have that big committee, he doesn't have that three or four person committee that Doug Peterson would have. He likes to play two running backs and he likes to split the time. And whether it was Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell early or um, Jordan Howard and Boston Scott, when Miles got hurt and Kenny got benched, or they went back to Miles Sanders and, and Jordan Howard. Um, it's always those two guys getting the vast majority of playing time. Um, I don't think that's going to change. It's going to start the same it was last year at the beginning of the year. It's going to be Miles and Kenny. Um, can he get to 1,100 yards or 1,000 yards or 1,100 yards if he stays healthy? Yes. He would have had that yet last year if he stayed healthy. True. And he played in every game. So to me, that's just about health and, and being there for 17 games. But as far as the monster season, and there's Chris, and I think we got him back. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties on mine, it looks like. On that yeah. laptop. Sorry about that. It happens in the <laughs> world of streaming. But we were talking about Miles Sanders, Chris, and I I think there's this, you know, he's a very talented guy. 1,250-yard backs this monster year. Those guys don't exist anymore. 
And that's my perspective. Like, you know Nick Seriati by now. We've seen him. He's going to play two running backs. And it's going to start out to be Miles and Kenny Gainwell. And then, you know, who knows what happens from there. Is that how you see the backfield kind of shaking out? I think so. And I think I wonder, I hope, hopefully, I think if I'm Miles Sanders, especially in the middle of contract here, you hope Boston Scott doesn't come in there and try to vulture some of those rushing touchdowns. Because when you look how well that Kenny Gainwell and that uh, Scott did down there, I think they had combined like something like 12 red zone touchdowns while down there behind that line. And mainly because what they did was just they went north-south and didn't try to dance around back there. So I think – I really think it's going to be those two when it comes to the, the most of the thing, but I really believe that Miles Sanders could average that many yards as what he did beforehand. I think he's prime basically because everybody's going to worry about trying to stop those receivers. I think there's going to be some room to run in there. And if he's just, and the one thing that I know, like this, I, I know people talk about his vision, his cutbacks, and everything else, but if he basically gets a little bit, just a little bit better at that, I think he's prime to have a big season, especially he's got a lot to prove too because he's trying to get paid. Chris, one of the positions that I would be intrigued to watch if uh, I was on the grass with you guys starting tomorrow is TE2, tight end two. We know Dallas Scott is going to be starter. He's going to very infrequently come off the field. He's going to be out there for almost uh, every single snap. Um, But the Eagles do like to play some 12 possession, and uh, there is always the possibility of injury. Of course, your fingers, it doesn't happen with Goddard this year. He's there for all 17 games. But if he does go down, somebody's got to start at tight end for the Eagles. How do you think they're going to determine who that is? With the scaled-back practices that they have with everybody in the league being protective of their players, they do have three preseason games, and somebody's got to play tight end, and those joint practices, all important joint practices against the Browns and the Dolphins. How is the quote-unquote depth chart of the tight end going to be ferreted out? I think it's going to be a lot of those blocking, those one those wonderful blocking drills against the pads, and that, and I think those uh, team drills are going to be that. And you don't really tell as much. I mean, the only time you really do is like a full eleven on eleven, and you only get a limited amount of time with that. And they're going to probably look back on tape of that. Boy, the way it's looking shaping out right now, it's tough to find who's going to. I mean, you're looking right now potentially Grant Calcaterra, seventh round draft pick, potentially being your tight end number two. I mean, he can run some good routes, but. The problem, I think this team needs a, like a true blocking tight end, especially if you're going to have Goddard, you want Goddard out in routes and you need some protection for him. You're going to need a guy to stay in there during certain times. And, and Richard Rodgers again, it's, it's not anything. And Tyree Jackson, is he's still coming from the ACL. So, Jack, you're looking at possibly, if say down the goal line, you're looking at possibly Grant Calcaterra with Dallas Goddard and Jack Stoll potentially right now is like you're, if you want to be at the goal line, which. Right as of right now, like looking at CNN, it doesn't strike a lot of fear in my besides Goddard, but it's the main way they have to be forced to use that. Yeah, at that point, if you want to go jumbo, why not, you know, put the extra offensive tackle in there and let them play the tight end? I think the Eagles might might go that route, but we'll see. They have some options because of the depth. I I do want to because Jody brings that up. Uh Chris did sort of his training tra- training camp preview at nj.com examining the eagles upcoming season from a to z so first of all tip of the cap if i had one to get in all the letters in there uh <laughs> i like the stretch and jody started it with g h i and j and g for goddard's backup which jody just talked about to me that's a 
a glaring sort of issue that the Eagles have to solve. And they brought in three tight ends yesterday to work out. So we might see some new names as well. Um, H was for Anthony Harris. I was for Isaac Samalo and Jay was obvious for Jalen Hurts, but um, we'll start with safety. Three man rotation or do the Eagles want two of those three to seize that position? I think they want two. They want to find out they their main two. I think they're two of the things. And right now, it looks like it's going to stay chalk. I mean, I think Marcus Epps is a better free safety than Anthony Harris. And we know Tart's more strong safety. So I think as of right now, like you have Epps at that spot. And then for me, potentially it comes down to the two-man job between Harris and Tart. And right now, I think it's hard to believe, but it's Anthony Harris, I think for what the Eagles want to do, I think he's better more equipped to play that strong, but then I think Tart still gets a lot of run, especially like say they play a big nickel and they have a team that still likes to run, but they still like to throw out like say a really good eleven personnel. So I really look. I think that's that's another matchup to watch. I think it's more Anthony Harris versus Jaquiski Tart with with Epps surprisingly out of all people being be, being the starting free safety. But I still Ronnie Lott, baby. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> he, I, I, I think he'll I think he'll play good enough that people are like, all right, cool, yeah, he just start. But I think it was pretty telling that, you know, we kept hearing about Marcus Williams, Tyron Matthew. If yeah. the team still kept looking at that, eh, questions. I, uh, will the Raven Clark showing up Raven. in these practices? <laughs> well, you know, this is the show for the hardcore Eagles. Yeah, yeah it so is. It gets down to the Raven Clark. I'm down to the Raven Clark, and you know where the question is going. If he shows you just enough that you can pump up your confidence level, that he can be the backup at the left tackle, pretty important position on the line, it would free up the possibility to trade uh, Mr. Dillard, who John and I have been going back and forth on since uh, last year uh, when John said, you know, the Dillard's actually listed number one on the depth chart ahead of Mylotta. Took the first rep. Took the first rep. He surely <laughs> did, and he didn't take many thereafter, and he won't be taking that oh, many going forward. Until he got hurt. He was they were rotating the whole time. People forget about that. Exactly. It was about 14, 15 days. They were rotating the whole time. But Chris, cream, Chris can back me up. Yeah, that, that was rose to the top, oh. and the cream was Jordan Mailata. Um, but Andre Dillon's still here, hasn't been moved. He is their best backup left tackle as of right now. Does LaRaven Clark have to actually so show you something for Howie Roseman to put Dillard on the open market and uh, potentially trade him if another team has a massive injury in preseason? I think both of them are going to stay on this roster, unless, I'll put the caveat, unless there's a team, a contender, that suffers a major injury to their left tackle, or then all of a sudden becomes, well, look what we got here. Uh, Fourth-round pick, third-round pick's not looking so bad now for Andre Dillard. I think they like LaRaven Clark just because he can play both tackles. And also, he started taking some reps at guard, too. And you know how much Jeff Stoutland and the rest of his team love that positional flexibility, being having them play inside, like everything else. Basically, he can play everything on almost everything except for center. So I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think he has to show enough. I think if you start to worry if, like, a, I don't know, like Coyote or a Seeker or something like that it starts to pop up, and the next thing you know, it's like, wow, he – because he's a former tackle, like, wow, you know, maybe we move him out. And, and then Diller just had, looks awful when they keep trying to keep that as quiet as possible and they try to move him for whatever they can. But I think 
I think you're looking at both of them remaining on here, barring injury elsewhere. All right. We'll shift it to an even bigger potential trade candidate from my perspective, and that's Jalen Rager. So I'll give you three options, uh, Chris. Jalen Rager is on the field September 11th in Detroit. Um, Jalen Rager is cut or Jalen Rager is traded. Um, what is the most likely to happen? What is the least likely to happen? The most likely to happen is that we'll see Jalen Rager back and there'll be a bobble on the first punt and everybody will go, oh, see, we told you. Here we go. Here we go again. <laughs> and, and the least likely to happen, I think, is the cut. I think the uh, is I think it's going to be tough to trade. I think anybody. Well, I think there's some. There's a few teams that like him still. Like still think that he has potential. And I think there's more smoke with that Chuck Clark deal. But obviously, we see obviously no hasn't been done. When you look at the way that Rager, as a fifth wide receiver, which you shouldn't be saying about your first round draft pick a couple of years ago, you could do worse. But then also when you look at that cap hit they'll have to incur if they just outright release him, he's he's coming back. And I think it, I wouldn't mind seeing him in five wides, and that's a stretch. Cause you, and I can see right now he's going to tantalize everybody. He's going to show – Oh, he is. Make a that's the problem. Chris, more. It, you, you know – at training camp, you know, other than A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith, I'm saying it right here. I put it on Twitter yesterday. Jalen Rager's going to look like the best receiver the Eagles have outside of those two guys because he's got more talent than everybody else. And he's going to make a one-handed catch. There's no pressure. Remember the catch he made last year in camp, which was unbelievable. Um, he's going to show up in camp. How does that affect things? Does that make him more valuable? Does that make the Eagles buy into it? Because I also look at it from a slot perspective when we talk about, okay, he's going to be the slot receiver. Now, Devontae can do it. Maybe you prefer to have him outside. Um, Quest Watkins isn't a slot receiver. Uh, he's an outside guy. He's a deep threat. Uh, Zach Pascal, okay, he's a blocker but he's not going to scare anybody from the slot. Are the Eagles going to buy into Jalen Rager's going to be their best slot receiver? No. no. I, I really don't, I don't think so. I don't think they'll buy into I think they'll buy into, hey, you know what? Next year, I think they'll still really contemplate next year, you know, think like, okay, he's starting to run his routes a little bit better when there's no pressure and, hey, he's making these acrobatic catches. I think they'll buy into that and say, all right, cool, we, we'll, we'll run – We'll see it out with him and, and and potentially go from there because, like we said, in the return game, so many questions about that. And But I think overall, when you look at – I think the, the biggest thing is because there is no pressure on him, he's going to do well. And I still wouldn't put him out – I still wouldn't put him on the field even more than what he have to do. Just maybe i say if I had to throw a number, maybe 10 snaps on offense a game, maybe at, at best, at best. Oof. But even doesn't the, that look that. doesn't that look worse for Howie Roseman? We always talk about the ego of GMs, and it's real. They don't want to oh, move yeah. on for first round picks. But isn't it worse if you're just keeping a guy on the roster because you don't want to be embarrassed by cutting him, and he's out there for five, ten snaps? Doesn't that make it look worse for you as a GM than just saying, "All right, raise my hand. I got this one wrong. Let's move on. Let's turn the page." 
what why don't more GMs see it that way? Because I still think they hold out. I think I, I look at them like a like a teacher looks out as as that student who shows potential, and he look and. and for them, Jalen Rager's that student shows potential. Like, we, he, I don't want to give up on him because I'm afraid if he goes somewhere else, he'll blow up. I think it's more one of those things. Because right now, if you put him on the Packers, let's say, and you have Aaron Rodgers, all of a sudden up. he blows up. Blow yeah, up. It, and that's where everybody come back. Why'd you trade him? You could have had this guy. You didn't do what, what have you and all that stuff. So By I think it's way, one thing that's, that's every chance. That's how much stinking respect I have for Aaron Rodgers. I have no <laughs> doubt that Jalen Rager would blow up in Green Bay. No doubt. Yeah, it may, maybe that could happen yet. Um, do want to, and I apologize, I don't uh, have the individual's name in front of me. Somebody mentioned it's on the stream. I thought it was a pretty good point. I want to run it by you, Chris Franklin. Once the Eagles start running whatever drills they are, 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11, seven, 11 11, whatever they do, um, they got two pretty damn good corners, and we know Slay is Slay, uh, but we're going to get our first look in green. James Bradbury, I thought he was an excellent addition. During the offseason, as soon as the Giants released him, I started screaming from high heck, uh, Eagles need to sign this guy, Eagles need to sign this guy, and uh, Howie, good job out of you. He got him signed, and he's here. And Bradbury's trying to make his name, get his cut his bones here in Philadelphia. But the Eagles have a quarterback that they want to see take steps forward during this preseason. How hard are the cornerbacks going to work at making Jalen Hurts look bad in whatever practices they have? Because, yeah, they got to kind of take care of their own turf. They can't be concerned that Franklin and McMullen and BLG and all these guys are on the sidelines going, uh-oh, Hurts got picked off again. Uh-oh, Hurts got picked off again. The Eagles got two pretty good corners. Hurts might not go seven of nine in passing drills. How much will you be uh, boring down on that, the job that the cover corners do against the Eagles wide receivers and their quarterback in all these practice sessions? Oh, that's gonna be fun! I can't wait to. I actually can't right. wait to watch that because right. to see the releases that see, seeing Slay versus we already know that the rivalry Slay and Smith have between each other, but seeing Bradbury and AJ Brown side, or even Slay versus AJ Brown and Smith versus Bradbury, and we saw what happened last year when Bradbury went against against Smith. I think it, there. I think there may be a few more days where, especially early on, because it seems defense always has the edge on offense, where it looks like. Oh, this offense can't do anything right. And then you, I know right now it's going to, oh, well, you know, the offense looks bad, I think, and then they'll finally go that one. So I think they, they won't let up because I think in the yeah. end it's going to help everybody yeah. get better. If that, was your, if that was your question, Jody, slaying going easy on Jalen Hurts, man. Okay, just I, He's going to talk to him, too. He's oh, let yeah. him know, too. <laughs> I, you know, for anyone who's been to an Eagles practice at Novacare, they have three fields, and occasionally they're on the the – the field closest to uh, Patterson Avenue. And I remember they were doing drills and I don't know if you were there for that play, but Slay just baited Jalen Hurts and you could see it. I was five feet away from it and he just baited him. And sure enough, he stepped in front and picked it off. And yeah, Slay was happy. No, he's trying to, that's how he's trying to make the quarterback better by making things difficult for him. And that's a good thing, by the way. And James Bradbury, I assume, is going to be that way as well. But let's talk about Jalen. We got it. We got to get to it, Chris. We only got a few minutes left with you, uh, Mike Sando. I'm sure you saw the Athletic put together his annual 
quarterback survey. He talks to executive coaches around the league. Jalen ended up tier three, which I think is correct. Number 20 overall, tied with Carson Wentz, which is weird, but number 20 <laughs> overall. Too harsh? Is it right where he belongs? What do you think? I thought I think it's around 17, 16. I thought Matt Ryan was ranked too high, personally. I, I think his better years have passed him by, but I think Tier 3, it's correct to have him in Tier 3 right now. He's He hasn't consistently shown that that he can make some of these throws. I mean, he's gotten better. You've seen flashes of it, and the athletic ability, you can't, uh, you can't knock the athletic ability when it comes to extending plays and just design run plays as well, too. I, I think if he decides – not decides, but if he begins to show that he's, he can understand some of the coverages have been thrown to him and, and beat some of those zones because they're going to try basically the Tampa Bay Buccaneers laid the blueprint how to beat them pretty much. And it's up to Jalen now to say, okay, this is how you play me. This is how I'm going to basically do to adjust to it. So I think right now, because especially still young, still got some – he's got skills and he's got the tools to be better. But right now, tier three is pretty fair for him. All right, CF, last one for me. Last year was Nick Sirianni's maiden voyage as a head coach in the NFL and had a pretty, pretty, pretty damn good ride uh, by going above 500 and making the playoffs. Yeah, they did play the Bucs that game. We, we haven't forgotten, but uh, trying to put it off to the side as of right now. Um, the best of the best learn from their experiences and uh, look to improve and make changes where necessary. Within the first week, two weeks, what change do you think you'll see in Nick Sirianni? Will he blatantly open up and admit to you guys here something pretty big that I'm doing different? Or is it something that you guys are going to have to pick up on? Um, if he doesn't change, then that's not good because I think everybody's got to change from year to year. Belichick changes from year to year to year to year to year. What do you think will be the thing that you guys will notice that Nick Sirianni's doing a little bit different here in year number two? I think we'll see more of the CEO, Nick Sirianni, because it looked like last year he surveyed all the positions, but like he leaned a little bit more on the offensive side. You know, he was jumping in when it comes to the route details, how the guys were running. I think this year, especially with him the play calling off the chain, I think we'll see him more and more in each position group and seeing him really start to like give tips to everybody and, and really get in there. So I think we'll, that's the main thing I think we'll, we'll see differently. Otherwise, I think we'll still see the message. I wonder what the message is going to be this year. You know, everybody, you know, we still talk about the roots thing and the flower and everything else. I wonder what the overall message is going to be that he can raise and say, hey, you know what, because his team has a lot of expectations on him, a lot of eyes on him, and a lot of specs of him. So it's, I, I want to see what he does in that aspect too. But I think overall it's going to be more CEO type guy. Well, let's end it there then, Chris, with those expectations. At C. Franklin News, uh, read them at nj.com. Also, lehighvalley.com. Uh, Is it lehighvalley.com? That's going to be big for Kaiser White this uh, this time. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the Nick Fierro. I'm, I'm going to pass the baton and take over that uh, the Lehigh Valley belt and uh, look forward to hopefully uh, helping those guys out. But I think overall, uh, you know, it's – it's good to be up there. I got to see the uh, Iron Peak Stadium once when Devonta Smith, uh, yeah, softball game celebrity so. softball game, good yeah, good area. Smith, uh, <laughs> no Richard Rogers at the celebrity softball game, I believe. He's a ringer. I'm surprised uh, Richard didn't show up, but uh, 
Uh, those expectations, um, they can go in a positive direction. They can go in a negative direction. How do you, how do you think this team handles it specifically when you talk about the head coach you were just talking about? It's different. Nobody expected, nobody knew Nick Sirianni. Uh, they kind of downplayed him after the opening press conference. Now everybody's like, well, this is a good team. This is a good team. Um, how does that change the coaching philosophy, how he's got to handle things? Is it easier, more difficult? You, The floor is yours. I think it's more difficult when you have a team that everybody says, like, hey, you know, it's going to be good because it's tough. When, when everybody says you're bad, you're bad, you usually, usually use that as a rallying point crying and go, hey, you know what? They, everybody, you go us against the world. They're going to they think we can't do anything. Let's show them that we can. And I think we saw what that happened that last year. When everybody tells you, oh, you're good or you're going to win the division and everything else, it's tough to try to downplay that because you don't want to try to be too negative and tell, think you guys, oh, you don't believe in us. But at the same time, you don't want to think, like, okay, you know what, you don't want them to be overconfident and then say week one against Detroit, they get boat raised, and then everybody going, well, what happened? We thought you're good. And then everything spirals down for that. So I think for Sirianni, messaging wise, we're going to take it one day at a time, one practice at a time, one day at a time. But overall, our arching, he's got to. It's one of the things you hate to say, but you got to truly believe that cliche because if they start to look too far ahead and start thinking, oh, well, by week 13, we should be this and should be a three, four seed, something like that, then they're going to find themselves in trouble. All right. I'm, uh, since I asked this to BLG when we had him on earlier, uh, I guess this is going to become a standard question for me with all you guys before the season gets underway who are going to be there and uh, be on the grass and uh, cover the Eagles' uh, every movement. How many touchdowns are Eagles going to beat the Lions by week one? Uh, <laughs> Mr. Franklin, you want to give us a guesstimation on that? I think they win by 10 points. I guess a total mm-hmm. touchdown field goal. I think it's going to be a lot closer than anybody thinks. Yeah, All right. So do I. Oh, not I everybody. BLG has the freaking Eagles losing the opener yeah, to the Lions. I was about to say, oh, wow. BLG's got them losing. Wow. I got them winning on a Jake Elliott 48-yard field goal late. I think they win by a field goal. I, see, I think it goes close into the fourth quarter because they might try some – Detroit might try some things and they had all summer to plan for this game. Yeah. I think it goes late into the fourth quarter and then the Eagles just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They get the touch, late touchdown, and then Jared Goff becomes Jared Goff. Yeah, Jared, Jared, exactly. Jared Goff does something <laughs> stupid late. That's, you know, that's how you win the game. Chris, if you watch the show when you're not on it, I always end it with two and two, meaning we'll be Chuck back 22 hours, uh, <laughs> much like Chuck Waller. Yes, Eagles are going to win by two and two. Two touchdowns. Oh, wow. We'll throw in another two field goals <laughs> wow. as well. So, chalk this up is what I'm a, talking about the expectations, Chris. Chalk I mean, up about are... a 20 point victory yeah. over the Lions this year. Would they beat them last year, by the way? 40, what, 40 something. 41 nothing. What was it? I don't even know. It's a lot of blue seats, man, in the fourth quarter. The Lions did get (laughs) one score, score, but the Eagles were in the 40s. Yes, and I expect this to be somewhat similar this year. All right, uh, CF, always a pleasure, buddy. You know, we're going to punch up often once the season gets rolling. Uh, Feel free to smack McMullen upside the head when you see him tomorrow. (laughs) No, love fest tomorrow will be the only day I think everybody will be nice with each other. But other than that, (laughs) it's kidding. Nah, but it'll be fun. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Get hard early. Uh, we will uh, get Chris Franklin up plenty during the season. That's a promise because he does a good job whenever he comes on with us. Does a great job for NJ.com as well. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, you've got us coming back. We need to put a bow on this show before we wrap another edition of Birds 365. 
Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. show we'll be doing on birds 365 yes the eagles report today and we'll get their first workout in tomorrow john mcmullen will be there on the grass and uh, we'll certainly get his report uh, on the day after but tomorrow we're going to get you early johnny mac and then you're going to run over to uh, the yeah uh, that's eagles. the plan a little bit early uh be here at eight o'clock try to get off by 8 30 try to get down there for nick siriani uh, is opening address um, should be exciting. Should be. And uh, just found out that 
Rick Saratella is going to be in your stead tomorrow. John will be on kind of as a guest to start the show. Uh, but Rick Saratella, who's going to be doing shows for us here at uh, Jacob Sports and, and Jacob Media YouTube channel. You should know Ricky because he's jumped on plenty with us over the last couple of years. He specializes in draft coverage. But Ricky covers the entire league. Don't kid yourself. Uh, so Rick is going to come on and uh, co-host with me when we punch John up. To start the show, that should be fun. All right, uh, so you, you should be over there uh, before now. What time do you think uh, the coach is actually going to start talking to you guys if practice is supposed to get or whatever workout is supposed to get underway around ten? Uh, nine nine forty nine okay. forty nine forty five. So about fifteen minutes with the coach, and then I'll go right on to the practice field. Uh, All right, so we if you campus here. If you have specific questions, because John McMullen needs help uh, for Nick Sirianni tomorrow. I always you, need help. If I'm, you one wanted, of those, I'm one of those annoying people that always gets questions in. So, yeah, throw them at me. Throw yes, at feel me. free to uh, tomorrow here on the stream. If you're back with us tomorrow, run them by. Johnny will take some notes, and then he'll run over and get his question in for Nick Sirianni. Uh, good show today, buddy. We worked through a couple technical difficulties which means, yes, the season's about to start. You got to work. Eagles got to work through you. some difficulties. It's apropos, Jody. It, it's it's a it's apropos of training camp. That's what you do. You work through difficulties. And we got both Chris Franklin and BLG back up. So I hope you guys enjoyed. We will do this again tomorrow. Be here eight o'clock. Johnny Mack for the first half hour before he's got to run over to the Novacare Complex. It'll be yours truly and Rick Saratella. Here on Birds 365. So a little bit of a different combo tomorrow. But we'll all be back here in 2 and 2. two, and two. You've been listening to Birds 365. <laughs> the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Oh, <laughs>